Good morning, beloved Orangewood. It's great to be with you again this morning. Is this not a super Sunday? I mean, look at this weather. Isn't this not great? Don't you wake up on a day like today and feel fully alive? Some of you are like, oh, no. This is a balmy day where I grew up in the middle of June. It's a reason why we live here, right? So, uh, hey, it is great to be with you. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to go back to the series we've been in. Uh, we had last week our missions festival and had the privilege of hearing from George uh, from Greece and uh, be reminded of our call to the nations. And we're going to jump back looking at worth. And what we're doing is this, is we're not looking so much inward into ourselves to find worth. We're looking upward. We're looking to God and his word and what it, it tells about each and every one of us. And it's my hope and prayer that all of us will hear from God today. Well, here, because he wants to communicate to us that, that he loves us and he's for us and, and what he sees in us. It's incredible. And I promise you this, if by God's grace, speaking through a broken sinner like me, we can get a picture of what God sees of us, it's going to fill your heart with some joy. I really think it's going to change us from the inside out. It's such good news. When it comes to real estate, they say the most important factors, the three most important factors of determining the worth or value of real estate, and those of you in real estate know these three very well, maybe you've heard it. The first one is location. The second one is location. And the third one is location. We hear location, 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 that location is everything to determine worth or value in real estate. And when we look at God's word, we'll find that location is often as equally as powerful and a determining factor of determining worth. Location, location, location. But specifically in looking in God's word, it's finding the location of God. Well, what we know about God is, well, he's everywhere and he knows all things. But specifically, God chooses to dwell where he chooses to dwell, where he chooses to place his name that place, is, it's of great worth. Why? Because God is there. And where God comes and meets on earth, we know that that has great worth. That's where heaven and earth connect. Well, we've been journeying together, and we've been looking at our worth through the lens of the Bible and the gospel and who we are. And let's just go back and remind ourselves of where we've been. The first thing is this. We looked at the fact that we have creative worth. Our worth is seen in the God whose image he made us in. That every single one of you, no matter what the mirror told you this morning, no matter what others may think or see in you, you have great worth. Because an infinite God has stamped you, has made you in his image, and he's made you for himself. When God sees you, he sees himself. And so we begin in this creative worth that our worth is found from God who would, who would make us in his own image. But there's more. That our worth is also proclaimed in the God whose blood was shed for us. The story of the Bible is that we were created for God in his image, but we rebelled and went our own way. But God pursued us and he purchased us back to himself. And what would he spend? Silver or gold? No, it wasn't enough. That God shed his own blood. That according to the Bible, God's blood was shed for you to be his. What are you worth to God? 
You're worth sending his only begotten son to die so that you can live. That's incredible. But there's more than that. Not just in his image and not just shed by his blood. That God's worth would be seen, revealed in the fact that God shares his name with us. His family name. That he places his name upon us and he robes us in his own righteousness. And when he sees us, he sees us through the lens of his son, Jesus. And he gives us the name, this name of Christian, this name of follower of Christ, this family name. And not just the name, it's what we really are as a child of God. And not just the name, but an inheritance. So when it comes to worth in God's eyes, we see we're created that way. And we've been purchased by the blood of Christ. And we've been given a family name, but there's even more. Today, we're going to see that our worth is secured in a God who dwells inside of us. A God who chooses to dwell inside of us. The place where God dwells is of great worth. It's it's holy ground. And so the three most important things when considering worth of real estate, location, 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 those things will also help us determine our worth in God's eyes. Location, location, location. Where does God choose to uniquely dwell? Could it be inside of us? Let's look to God's word. We're going to look at really just two verses um, that will be the portal until which we'll go through to see the bigger story of our worth in Christ Jesus. Uh, We will actually look at in a global way everything from Genesis to Revelation. But these are the the two verses that God has Uh, got for us this morning that we will go through to determine our worth in regards to God's location in our life. Hear the word of the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes to you and me these very words. Or do you not know, Christian, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, God, within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. For you were bought with a price. We looked at that. We were bought with the blood of God. So glorify God in your body. Let us pray. Father, these these words are staggering. These words, if they're true, and I believe they are because they come from you, tell us of great worth that we have in your eyes, that we, your people, would be the place uniquely where the Holy Spirit of God dwells. God, what is clear that each and every one of us, those who have yet to believe and those who have believed for a long time, All of us need to understand the significance, the love, the glory, the weight of what it means that we, your people, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God, would you send afresh the Holy Spirit among us to speak through a broken sinner like me? Would you give us ears to hear your voice, Father God? Would you give us minds to understand your word, loving Savior? Would you give us hearts that that embrace your love and care, that, that understand that we are your temple? And God, would you give us feet, if this is true, 
And Your Word has proven that it is in Your Spirit. Would You give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the name, worthy that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can it be true? God, we ask that the things that I say that are wrong or just my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true, that contain this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to cleanse your temple? Would you use those things to make us a place filled with your glory? Would you use those things to help us know and understand and proclaim your story? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you want to follow along, you'll find an outline in your bulletin for you there. And the first thing we're going to see is this, is that our worth, the worth of the place where God dwells. The worth of the place where God dwells. i got to tell you, looking back over the 50 years of my life, I'm, I'm quite staggered of God's grace and the ability that he's given me to see so many cool things, whether they're cool things in our own country like the Grand Canyon or Yellowstone or the Tetons or the beauty of California and New England. And also the ability to travel some and, and, and with our partners in Turkey and Greece and other locations. But I got to tell you, a place that's unlike any other, a place that I've been that, that I just sense is different than any other is, is Israel. And it's specifically Jerusalem. Uh, Lord willing, I will be able to go with some of you this May. We're hoping to go back. And I'm, I'm telling you, to, to go to the place that Jesus walked, it's just, it's incredible. And to go to the place where, the, like the epicenter of the story in many ways of God, this, the story of the Bible, to go to Jerusalem and to know it was here that Jesus died for my sins. It is here that Jesus conquered death for us and was resurrected and that tomb is empty. It is here and it's so much history there. And maybe that's why it feels so much like holy ground. Maybe that feels that way when you, when you go to the Western Wall or as some will mockingly call it, the Wailing Wall. It's there that you feel in, in the presence of God that, that's just different because there's so much of the stories right there, right? I got to tell you, the last time we were there, we took this really cool tour. Uh, it kind of, they were digging out because over the years, the, the rocks and the things that have, have grown around it, they're digging down lower and finding this. This is probably the roads here underneath were the very roads that Jesus walked around the temple. You think, wow, how cool is that? It's really awesome. It's, it's actually, you go from one place to the next. I got to tell you, anybody else here claustrophobic? Oh my goodness. You had to actually sometimes go through these little narrow caves or these little, little, and they're like, you got to scrunch down and get like this. And I mean, I mean, I'm terrified of being put in a small place. I'm a big guy in a small place. It doesn't work, right? And so we're going through this tour. We're loving it. It's like, oh my goodness, this is so fantastic. Like we're underground underneath where, where really Jesus walked the temples right there. And another tour group had the audacity to start coming the other way. And it was like one way through this thing. And I'm crawled against the wall. Lord Jesus, come back soon, please. Terrified. It was a great time. So if you go, go, but don't get in the caves down below, all right? It'll really scare you. But the reality is, is there was something powerful. Why did I tell you that story? It had nothing to do with anything. Will you guys keep me from being distracted, please? <laughs> being that close to the temple, being that close to where the story epicenter was amazing. Because where the God uniquely dwells is in a place that's holy ground. But it's no longer there. It's no longer there. I mean, 
where God dwells, it's a holy ground, even if it's a burning bush, right? I mean, there's a story of Moses who, who comes along a bush that's on fire, that's not being consumed. He walks over, and in that bush is God's presence. And it's a burning bush. And what does God tell him? Take off your sandals, Moses. You're on holy ground. Because where God dwells, it's holy, even if it's a bush. And now he says to us, the temple's gone. There's a new temple. And you are the place where God dwells. Location, location, location of God's presence. It's always holy. And not only that, but listen, it's always been God's presence in a unique way has always been like the epicenter of God's story. He's always placed himself in the center of the story, and he should. He's God, right? And if you look at the Bible and you start to see where has that epicenter been, we start to understand the weight and the volume of what it means that he calls us his, his whole temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible starts off with a garden. It's, it's a beautiful garden. It's a garden that is incredibly so wonderful that God and man, holy God and man, could dwell in it together. It's paradise. I mean, it's an incredible place, and God created us to be there with him in that, that holy place. And not only that, he says, I want you to fill the whole earth with my glory. I want you to make the whole earth like this garden. I, I want the whole earth to be filled with the fact that we could dwell together, but we didn't listen, and we rebelled, and we sinned, and we got driven out of the garden. And God had every right to say, I'm done with you, and I'm going to wipe you away. But he didn't, because this God of the Bible is a God who can't stop loving sinners. This God of the Bible is a God who can't stop pursuing you and me. And so what does he do? Even when God's people were in bondage in in Egypt, and he sent the plagues to set them free. And when they're on their way to the promised land, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years, you know what God says? I want to be in the center of the story. I want to be with my people. They're living in tents. I want to live in a tent too. And so God has them build a tabernacle. He has them build a tabernacle that he'll put his name and he'll put his, his, his presence. And he wants it right in the center of town. And he wants the people to know that he's a God who's Emmanuel, a God who is with them, a God who will journey with them. And when they make their way into the promised land and they drive out the Canaanites that are there and they put down roots in the promised land, what does God say? I want to be there too. So you got to make me a temple. Make me a temple that I will uniquely put my name. Make me a temple I will uniquely put my presence. Make me a, a place where there's a unique sacrifice being made to me. Build me a temple. As you read through the story of the Bible, you realize how important these places were, like the garden and the tabernacle and the temple. That God's glory was there. But then you read further, you realize these aren't really the important things. They're just shadows of a truer substance. They're shadows of one who has come. One who is to come is the ultimate temple of God. The ultimate place where heaven and earth meet. It's Jesus. And the incredible story of the Bible is this, is that the Bible tells us that God put on flesh and he dwelt among us. The Gospel of John will tell us that in the beginning was this word and the word was with God and the word was God and that everything that was created was created through this God. And he was the light and life of men. Men didn't understand it. The darkness didn't overcome it. But it says in John 1.14 that this Jesus, this God, this eternal God in flesh, that he, he put on flesh and dwelt among us. You know what's really cool? That the Greek is really saying is this, this, is that Jesus pitched a tent. He tabernacled with us. How amazing God with us that he was the temple of the Holy Spirit there is this. John would say it this way. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. 
Any place that God dwells, you should see His glory. His glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's saying, when we saw Jesus, we saw God. And it was right there where He dwelt among us. And now He says, in Christ Jesus. Now the Bible says, now we, His children, now we, those whom He's purchased, now you and me, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the place where God has chosen to uniquely dwell and put his name. Are you kidding me? Do you know how good this is? Do you know how rich this is that God is saying to you, your worth in God's eyes is so great that he chooses to dwell inside of us. He chooses to be with us. Now, by the way, when we read the entire story, you get to the very end in Genesis 21. I'm sorry, Revelation 21. Wrong end of the Bible here. You get to Revelation 21, and it talks about this glorious new heaven, this glorious new earth. But there's something very interesting about the description at the end of the book. It says in Revelation 21 that there will be no more temple. And all of us want to say, well, wait a minute. How can there be no more temple? I mean, the temple, whether it was a garden, whether it was a tabernacle, whether it was a temple, whether it was Jesus, whether it was us, it was always a part of the story. But at the end of the story, says there will be no more temple because God and man will dwell together and we don't need one particular unique place. It'll be everywhere. And paradise will be restored and we will be with him. You see, this is holy ground that we walk on because God walks with us. It's a place where God dwells. And if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he says, keep it pure. Keep it pure. Because why? It's more than just a moral issue. Why? Because, because God cares, because God dwells there. That's where the aroma of Christ is. That's where the story is being told. He cares about your life. He cares about everything you do. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Young people, when it comes to sexual purity, it's more than just saying, just wait. Older people, when it comes to purity in your marriage or purity with your eyes, it's the reality is, is God has done something magnificent. He's taken a jar of clay like this. He's taken a broken sinner like this. And he's made it the dwelling place of God. And because of that reality, holy God says it's important the way you live. Keep your life pure. You see, worth is seen in the location of God's unique presence. Do you feel of great worth, believer? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me summarize by saying this. It wasn't enough for God to just make you in his image. He loves you more. That wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for God to shed his own blood, God's blood, to purchase you back and to cleanse you and robe you in righteousness. It was not enough for God. It wasn't enough for God to give you his name and share with you the inheritance of Jesus. It wasn't enough. God loves you even further and loves you even deeper and loves you even more that he would make his home inside of you and me. That God chooses to dwell with us. The second thing is this, the evidence of the place where God dwells. If we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, there should be some some forensic evidence of that. There should be some, if you will, DNA evidence of God's presence, that God lives here. Has anybody seen that absolutely horrible Netflix series, Making a Murderer? There's 10 episodes. Some of you are shaking your heads. The way I describe it, you're all terrified to raise your hand, saying it's horrible. I watched it. I mean, it's really, really well done. 
Um, and Katie watched about four episodes and jumped off because after every episode, you don't know how to feel. I mean, the bad guys, uh, you don't know if they're really bad. The good guys are acting all icky. It's, it's basically a story of this. It's a man who was convicted of, of rape and he was placed into prison. He was convicted. And 18 years later, DNA evidence proves he's not guilty. He gets out and he, now he's out. And he's kind of like a poster child of, 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 of injustice. And he's going to get a lot of money from the state that, that put him in jail for a long time, not in a not right way. And the county that, that really kind of botched his entire investigation, shortly thereafter arrests him for murder. And the rest of it is, is he guilty? I'm not going to tell you what happens. But let me tell you, if you watch it, you will be intrigued, making a murderer. But you probably won't feel a lot of, like, resolution. It's just one of those things I watch. It's like, gosh, I don't know if I feel good about this. I don't know what to do with this. I want a story that has a good ending, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but the, really, the, a lot of it was around, was there DNA evidence that can prove? Was there evidence that can prove where someone was? Was there a body there? What happened there? Was there enough evidence to prove guilty? And what I want to use, and I'm going to try to go from making a murder to you being the temple of the Holy Spirit, so watch this leap. Is, is, is there enough evidence? Is there enough DNA evidence that God is present in your life? In Scripture, we have two, two clear proofs that God is dwelling in a particular location. And there are these things. One is his glory is present. Anywhere that God is uniquely placing himself and name, his glory is there. As a matter of fact, his glory would fill that temple and that tabernacle. And his glory was seen in Jesus. Remember the words I read in John 1? And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only Son sent from the Father. God's glory is there. As a matter of fact, uh, it says about the temple that in 2 Chronicles 7, 1 and 2, that sometimes God's glory would show up and, and it would be so dense, it would be so strong, you couldn't even go in. And glory is a tough word. What, what is glory? In the Old Testament, it's really more, it's, it's associated with, with weight. Kabod is the uh, Hebrew word. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it's like the weight of God. Have you ever been in someone's presence who just feel their weight? You ever been in somebody's presence who they just have a command to them, a weight to them, and you just, whoa. But this is saying the glory of God. I mean, the, the presence of God was like a weight. I mean, it was like, I just know that God is here. I think it manifests itself like in a cloud typically then. But the New Testament's more like a radiance that shines. The glory of God that shines in the darkness. The glory of God is when you walk with someone and you see Jesus in the midst of a storm. It's that glory. You see where God's unique presence is, his glory is, is there. And John, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory. The glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, not only is his glory there, but where God's spirit is, where God dwells, the spirit of God produces the fruit of the spirit, the DNA evidence. If you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, there should be DNA evidence. The Holy Spirit is leading you. He's loving you. He's guiding you. He's a part of your life. And the Bible talks about bearing the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Now, really, we could take a jog here and talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and we could, we could spend a whole sermon series on it. Matter of fact, I have in years past. But let me tell you, is there evidence that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Is there evidence that God dwells with you? Well, let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. 
Are these things prevalent in your life? Now, you're a sinner like me. They're not going to be all there, and you were going to have to work on all of them. But is there glimpses of this love? Is there love in your life? A love for God and a love for neighbor. Is there joy? Not sometimes happiness, but just joy, knowing that whatever comes, you're loved and you're his. Is there peace? Is there peace to realize that God is the God of peace who's come for you and he's made peace for you on the cross? And again, although you're a sinner, you deserve God's wrath, you've been given God's love, there's peace. Peace with God and peace with one another. Is there patience? Why did he have to include that one? Is there patience? Patience of knowing that those around you are, are broken sinners too and God's work continues to unfold. Is there kindness? Is there goodness? Is there faithfulness? Is there gentleness? Is there self-control? These are evidences that God is inside of you and working in you. Again, don't take them and say, oh my, I didn't love my wife well today. The reality is, if there's no evidence of this, you should examine your heart. But if you long for being better, there's good signs that God is there. I want to show you this. comes to worth. I want to show you it takes all of God to show you your worth. Let me tell you again. It's going to take all of God. There is one true and living God. He exists in three persons, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of God wants to communicate worth to you. Let's look at it this way. A Father who will make you in his image, a reflection of God. That's how much a Father loves you. A Son who is going to shed his blood for you to wash you and cleanse you. That's how much he loves you. And a Holy Spirit who's going to make his home inside of you. Our triune God continually communicates worth to us. And that is such good news. Is there evidence in your life for you to be convicted that God dwells there? Is there enough evidence that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Can other people see God's glory in you? Remember, be you in love with Jesus. It's all you have to do. Be a sinner who continually repents and embraces the gospel. Is the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in you? And then lastly, the purpose of the place where God dwells. The purpose of God's dwelling. Through Scripture, There is two primary purposes of that unique place, that tabernacle, that temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. The unique place where God dwells is going to do two things. Uniquely tells God's story. And secondly, it uniquely is the place of God's, the sacrifice made to God. It tells God's story. It tells God's story what's in the tabernacle and temple. And then the lampstand is that we are the light of the world and the bread and, and the beauty and the holy of holies. And when you went into those places, it uniquely reminded God's people that, that there is a God who loves and that they are his people. And it told the story. But it was also a place of sacrifice, a place that you come and you make a sacrifice because we're sinners to God. And that is us now. We're the place. We're the place where God's stories to be told. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the unique place where the world should see Jesus. And we're the unique place where, where now we offer a sacrifice to God. How many of you brought a bull or goat in this morning? I guarantee you none of you did. And it's a good thing you did and you didn't need to. Why? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus for your sins and mine was sufficient When Jesus hung on the cross and the Father's wrath was poured out, when he said, it is finished, it is finished. We don't need to bring the the blood of bulls and goats anymore. It was just a shadow anyway. But now, according to Paul in Romans 12, 1, now we are to offer a living sacrifice, the sacrifice of our very lives. 
If you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, here's the reality. His glory is greater than yours. His story is to be told beyond and above yours. You are to wake up tomorrow, deny yourself, and live for God and his glory and tell his story through your life. Do you know that you can leave here and you can go and still tour the home of a king? You can still maybe even make your way into the jungle room. You can go to a place called Graceland if you want to go to Memphis, Tennessee. Anybody been there? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Just kidding. I haven't been. Not that I don't love Elvis Presley and rock and roll. I certainly do. But again, it's, it's kind of interesting because there you will hear a story be told of a dead king of rock and roll. There you will see an era gone by. And really his house has become more of a museum of old stuff, of lifeless stuff, of stuff hanging on. God is saying you're a museum, you're a temple, you're a museum. And you're not a museum to a dead king. You're a museum to a king that lives and reigns and conquers death. You're the place where the story is told. You're the place where God's glory is to be seen. We are it. If we are his, we are that place now of telling that story and being that sacrifice. Location, location, location. What is your worth in God's eyes? Well, and the reality of this is this. You're of infinite worth, Christian. You are. Because why? Of all the places in all the universe, God uniquely chooses to dwell in you and to call you his own and to fill you with his presence and to lead you by his spirit and to give you the privilege of living for something so much more than yourself. To be a living museum to a living God that others can look in your life and see the way you love and see the fruit of the Spirit bear witness that Jesus is alive and well and that you are his. And that our world has hope. Our world has hope that God hasn't left the building. God hasn't given up on us. God isn't distant and not paying attention. God is here. We should all take off our our, our shoes because we're on holy ground now. Not because of a burning bush, because you and I are filled with the very presence of God and the Holy Spirit of God for his glory. You see, this this meal that we're about to partake is a tangible reminder of the sacrifice, of the reality of our worth in Christ Jesus. It's God again cleansing the temple. It's God again making us remember of the sacrifice to make us his. It's God again helping us tell his story for his glory. How is it with you? For those of you who, by God's grace, are his, come to this table. Be mindful that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he wants to cleanse you and fill you today with his glory. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this infinite worth that we find in you, triune God. For a father that has made us in his image, for a, for a son who will purchase us with his blood, and for a Holy Spirit that chooses to make his home inside of us, to make us the very temple of, of, of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you've chosen us to be the unique place where your story is told and your glory is seen. You've, choos- you've chosen us to be the place 
where a sacrifice is given, a living sacrifice, knowing that the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus was sufficient for us. And now we have the privilege of living to tell and living to love a God who is. And God, I pray for anyone here who is yet to embrace Christ as Savior, who's yet to become that temple of the Holy Spirit. May today be the day that they bend their knee and they bow to a king who lives, acknowledging their sin and embracing Christ's sacrifice so that today they could taste and see the goodness of God, that today they can have the joy of being the place where God dwells. But for many of us who have already, God, had that joy, would you remind us afresh as we taste the bread that's been given and the, and the wine that is poured Would you remind us of our worth in Christ Jesus so that we could be that temple of the Holy Spirit for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.